Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith's America podcast. This is volume 85, Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco. And it is maybe, arguably, the best interview we've ever done on Marty Smith's America. And I still have goosebumps. I just, it's hard for me to even try to encapsulate how amazing it is. The depth, the vulnerability, the honesty, the clarity, and walking out of the darkness towards joy from one of my favorite college football players ever, former Kentucky middle linebacker Cash Daniel, the captain of the Marty and McGee All-America team. This is Marty Smith's America, which of course means we don't really know where it's going all the time. And this one went places with Cash that I wanted to broach with him, but I did not know that he was going to be so revelatory. It's a beautiful interview, and it was a great reminder for me that vulnerability and honesty and the human element can have such a dramatic impact. I'll carry this interview with me forever because it impacted me so deeply. A lot of times on Marty Smith's America, we just ease off on random tangents. We're good at that, especially when McGee joins Travis and me. If you love random tangents, you better check out Stupidity because he's the king of random tangents. This week, Stu talks to Mike Golick Jr. about facing Joey Chestnut in a beignet eating contest. Download and subscribe to Stupidity and the Marty Smith's America podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a new year and you want to keep growing your team, but you need the right tools to help keep your hiring streamlined and efficient. That's where ZipRecruiter.com slash Marty comes in. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find the people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective, four of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. Zero dollars, zero cents at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Marty. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash M-A-R-T-Y, ZipRecruiter.com slash Marty. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Now it's time for my conversation with former Kentucky middle linebacker Cash Daniel, someone that I've just loved ever since I saw this guy play. He plays with a reckless abandon. He plays with a ferocity that I love, and he went through a really difficult senior year at the University of Kentucky, coming off a junior season where he really splashed onto the national stage and into the national consciousness based on a brash personality that guys like me just love. But a lot of times what we see might not be what's actually going on. A lot of times as humans, we're battling things that we will not reveal to other people. And that was Cash Daniel's senior season. I didn't know it until today. And now you're going to get an in-depth glimpse of what was a very difficult year for a really special young man who has a limitless future. Here's Cash Daniel on Marty Smith's America. As many of you who are fans of Marty and McGee know, Joe Burrow is the, and has been, the offensive captain for the Marty and McGee All-America team. 
The defensive captain is Kentucky linebacker Cash Daniel. Why? Because he hunts, fishes, dips, snuff, and cusses. He's my kind of guy. Uh, so we're going to welcome Cash in here. He's getting ready for the NFL draft. He's got his pro day coming up here soon in Lexington. So, uh, man, update us. How's all the prep going for, for pro day? Man, it's going good. Just like you said there, I got my pre, uh, my pre-workout snuff going right now, actually. <laughs> I like it. See, hey, we're brothers of the cloth. I like that. Uh, I've always been really intrigued and and appreciated the way you play football, which is full gas, full tilt all the time. How would you describe your approach to the game? Um, You know, ever since I was just a little kid, you know, it's been implemented in me through uh, my, my dad and other players that I've watched growing up and just idolizing and trying to pick a part of, you know, multiple guys and take bits and pieces of their game and their attitude toward the game, uh, you know, and implement my own style. And I think the only way to play this game, with it, with it being the most emotional, you know, game around there that there is, you have to play with an, a sense of, you know, emotion and a sense of urgency um, that almost brings a swagger to you and brings you a self-confidence. But at the same time, you know, with me being a defensive player, how I think – you know, defensive football should be played and how I was taught to play, you know, is just be the most enthusiastic teammate you can be in a positive way, uh, you know, and go out there and have fun because you can, you know, you can't run down the street, uh, you know, and knock somebody out, but you can on kickoff and you can on defense. So, you know, have fun doing it. How would you define your last season at Kentucky? From a personal standpoint, obviously not as what I want it to be just because I hold myself to – such a high standard personally that, um, you know, I always set goals for myself. And if I don't reach those goals, you know, then I got set back and say, okay, what did I do wrong? What did I do right? And, uh, you know, this is a lot of things that, you know, I wish that could have went a lot better. But, you know, as a team, you know, we went through a lot of adversity, man. And, uh, you know, my teammates did an unbelievable job. My coaches did an unbelievable job of keeping everybody intact, keeping everybody in check. You know, and not letting this thing fall off the rails. And, I mean, we lost our starting quarterback the second game of the year, and we ended up having to put Lynn back quarterback, you know, a wide receiver who hasn't played uh, quarterback since high school. And so, you know, it was a lot of adversity we had to come over and uh, to overcome. So it was a – from a, if you look at it from a – you know, in, in a uh, if you break it down in, in, into a close lens, um, it was a, a step forward, you know, for Coach Stoops in this program this year, even though the record, you know, might show a little – less wins and more losses than last year's record. But just from an overall team and from an overall program of how to handle adversity and how to compete in the SEC and compete at this level, uh, even going through so much adversity with your team, but still being able to find a way to win and, you know, find a way to you know, still get uh, bowl eligible and, you know, and go and play in those games as well. What goals didn't you reach personally? Um, I mean, last year I had 84 tackles um, as a junior, so – um, as a returning leader in, of this defense, you know, I wanted to have triple-digit tackles, um, you know, more TFLs than I had, a couple more sacks. I did get one interception, but I, the goal was always, you know, three to four picks, three to four sacks, and, you know, 100-plus tackles. But, um, you know, a lot of things just didn't fall my way. So, you know, it's just a thing where, you know, I just got to put it behind me, you know, and just, you know, keep working and be the same person I've always been, just – put my nose down and go to work and, uh, you know, don't look back. What do your dreams look like right now? 
you know, my dream, you know, right now is, you know, to just to see how long I can keep this football thing going, man, because I love this game. And, you know, I love strapping the pads on and I love the brotherhood, you know, that I build with my teammates each and every year. You know, even looking forward, you know, going to the professional level. I mean, I know it's a little bit, it's different than college, you know, with guys coming and going because of, uh, you know, cuts and trades and deal like that. But, you know, just looking forward to, uh, you know, living out my dream, you know, ever since I was a kid, you know, whether it be if I'm just a special teams guy my whole life, you know, you know, I'm going to work my tail off for some team. And then ultimately, you know, just, uh, you know, just build my name up there, you know, and uh, save my money and be good with it. And when I get done, me and you travel all over the southeast and going to Lake Gunnersville and Okeechobee and you know, Chickamauga, and, you know, me and you are going to go slam some bass all day. That is definitely going to be our future, man. You, you, you're going to retire from a nice 10-year NFL run. By that time, I'll be on the backside of my ESPN run, and we're just going to get us a bass boat and a nice nice dually. I want a dually. Right. We got to blow We got to blow some smoke, right? Like That's We can't right, have man. one of these little pansy. Cold. Yeah, we can't have one of these little pansy doolies. We got to kill the ozone. I mean, we got to have a diesel. That's right. We're going to go get them black clouds rolling. That's right. We're going to go rip some lips and uh, right. maybe maybe uh, slam a few cold ones. Uh, hey, man. Always down for that. What's it been like for you to be a small-town Kentucky kid and go be the face or one of the faces of the University of Kentucky and represent your home state the way you have? It's been a dream come true, um, you know, more than actually, you know, what I expected of everything to be because, um, you know, where I'm from and here in East Kentucky in my, in my small corner in southeast Kentucky um, in the Appalachian Mountains, there's not a, not a lot of positivity comes out of that region, um, you know, whether it be uh, financially, you know, jobs are struggling, you know, there's, no more coal, there's no more coal mining. And then that was our bread and butter of, uh, you know, how families, you know, made a living for themselves there and other things around the coal industry with trucks and equipment, you know, and everything like that. But, um, and it's a very high poverty, really one of the biggest, highest poverty rates, uh, in the United States. I mean, it's 2020 and I still know families that don't have running water or, you know, don't or almost living on a dirt floor basically so um i had a lot of reasons why you know of, of why i wanted to do this and why i wanted to succeed so bad is you know just because i, I want to help people ultimately and just being from here just the over just the overwhelming you know amount of pride you know that people have for uk athletics and i mean you could go to church you could go to uh, gas station anywhere back home, and I promise you, you know, you're going to see somebody, you know, wearing something with a UK emblem on it. I mean, you may be in church and somebody have a button up that has a big UK thing on it because that's their Sunday best, but still at the same time, you know, they're that passionate and that crazy about UK athletics. And for me, growing up in that environment, you know, it was just a dream to say, and I've had people come before me. Um, Joey Couch was a, was a player that came from my high school down in Paintsville and came to Kentucky and, and, uh, did a lot of great things. And so that was, a uh, almost like, he was almost like a myth, you know, growing up back in, and you always hear those stories and want to implement, you know, your own story and, and have, you know, little kids talking about you like that and everything. So, uh, a lot of factors of, of, uh, of pride, you know, where I come from and being able to put that state across my chest and knowing that, 
there are so many kids, not only in the state of Kentucky, but in the whole United States that would do anything and everything just to spend one day in my shoes and be able to put that, you know, Kentucky blue across their chest. And so, um, you know, that's why I never really took anything for, that's why I never took anything for granted because I know the opportunity that I have. I know how special it is. And so the only thing I try to do, man, was just, um, you know, show people that, you know, if you work hard and if it's something that, if you got a dream that keeps you up at night and it's the first thing that wakes you up in the morning, and you think it and speak it into existence, man, and just keep grinding, keep grinding, and don't listen to people saying you come from a too small of an area, you know, this, this, or that, you know, and just keep grinding and keep doing you and you know, anything can happen for you. But ultimately, man, I'm just so thankful that Coach Stoops gave me the opportunity, you know, to come up here and play for my home state because it, it's, it's changed a lot of lives, you know, for my family and myself, and it's changed my world forever, and I'll never be able to pay, repay Coach Stoops for that, so – you know, I love it, and it's a, it's always been a dream of mine to come up here and play for Kentucky. So, you know, it's just been a dream come true. When I hear you talk about the myth and the and the way that the the young people look at you as a mentor and as a hero and as an example, I'll be honest with you, Cash. I can't help but think of the Kyle Trask play, and yep. and your reaction to that Kyle Trask play. When you look at that moment right now. What do you see, and, and how do you react to what you did there? That was, hands down, top three most dumbest things I've done, not only in my prof- or my career in, in football, but just as a human being. You know, that was just, that was stupid. And, uh, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and make any excuse. I mean, it was uh, it was downright wrong, and – and it, it weighed on my heart, Marty, for you know a long time this season. And uh, because I mean, people say this all the time that you know they don't care what people think about them, and 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 that and that and that's too true to a certain point. But as as a player, I didn't want people to to think that I was this dirty player because I'm not. And that's just one incident. You can sit there and say, "Well, you did this." Yeah, I did. And um, and I, I instantly regret it. You know, and I should have right after the game apologized to Kyle and, and you know and to everybody else. But at that time, I just felt like there was so much emotion around that game, and there was so much um, going on with that. That at that time, I felt like it wouldn't have even mattered. You know, if I said something because of you know the heat that was already coming down on me, and I didn't want people to you know think that I was doing this just as a scapegoat you know, or a self-image thing because, I mean, I know I messed up and it was stupid of me. And, it, and if I could go back and do it all over again, I would have just made the tackle, got up and, you know, played the next play, which, um, you know, which is what I've always been about in the first place. But, you know, when, when, I, when you play this game like I do and I play, you know, with such a, a, um, a ferocity mindset and – with that game and how big of an emotional game that is for, you know, us and, you know, with, you know, the streak and everything in last year and all the hype built up around it. And when that play happened, we had a backup quarterback come in and, you know, we were getting picked apart and they were coming back on us. And when that play happened, you know, I just kind of just blacked out and, you know, really wasn't even thinking. And, um, you know, it was ultimately very stupid and, you know, for, when you're talking about legacy and, you know, and things like that, little kids looking up to me, um, I really, really hope, you know, that they learn from that and say that, and, and it shows that, you know, just get up and play football. You know, there's no reason for, 
any extracurricular, you know, stuff after the play. I mean, football is already as violent as a sport as it comes. So, I mean, there's no reason for that. And, you know, and I used the opportunity to apologize. And I, and I actually reached out. I had my athletic director reach out to Scott Strickland uh, and get Kyle's number for me uh, a little little midway through the season. And uh, I was the original plan was to call Kyle uh, right off from the bat when I got his number. But I didn't want him to see a, a number from Kentucky that he doesn't know and him think, well, this is just some crazy fan from Kentucky that's going to give me crap, so I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> I also didn't want him, you know, if he did answer the phone and me go, oh, hey, Kyle, this is Cash Daniel. I didn't want him just to end up, you know, just hanging up on me. And, um, I, I just really wanted to apologize. So I, I texted him, not, in a, not an apology to text because I don't believe in that. You know, if you're going to apologize, you know, either do it, you know, in person, you know, be a man about it. And I couldn't do it in person because, you know, he's all the way down in Florida. But I was just, I texted him and I told him the reason why I wanted to apologize and why I wanted to call him. Um, you know, I just, and I told him how it weighed on my heart, you know, and how I wanted to do the right thing and, and apologize to him and how I should have done the right thing right off the bat. And, um, you know, it was a couple of days later, you know, he didn't get back to me. But then I finally got a text back from him saying that, there was no need to call and that he gets it and emotions run high and everything out there. And, but at the same time for me, uh, I felt like, you know, that he accepted my apology, which was, I mean, more than anything I could ask for out of that. Uh, just because, you know, I, I thought of his parents, you know, and I thought of his, you know, his family, um, after the fact, because I mean, that's somebody's kid out there, you know, and, and that's somebody's son, that's somebody's brother, you know? And so I, at the end of the day, it was just very stupid of me to do. And, uh, so I used the belt bowl, um, platform after the game, you know, they're on SEC network, you know, just to, just to express, you know, how sorry I was for that incident. I could have, you know, made a statement on Twitter, said something to the local news about it, but with how big SEC network is with the ties to ESPN, you know, and how many viewers, you know, you guys have, uh, especially in during bowl season. And with Paul Feinbaum show being, you know, one of the biggest in the nation, you know, I just wanted to use that platform, you know, to say that I was sorry, even though that, you know, it was so long after the fact when the incident happened. Um, I just wanted people to feel that I really was genuinely sorry. And it, it wasn't just me trying to put it a means to an end, you know, of this thing, because I know it's when people think of my career from now on, that's always going to stick with me and there's nothing I can do about that, but except, you know, try to learn from it and explain to people, you know, how stupid it was, you know, and, uh, you know, what I learned from it and, um, you know, and how to move forward. But at the end of the day, uh, it was very stupid. And if I could go back and do it all over again, like I said, I would have just made the tackle, got up and went to the next play. But, um, you know, it's something that's always going to stick with me. So I hope kids, you know, and, and people that, you know, that looked up to me, you know, learn from that and, and uh, you know, and just try to be as clean of a football player as I can. Every one of us fail, Cash. Every one of us operate in ways in our lives at times that we regret. Every one of us want things back. And you said something there that really resonates with me, and I wrote it in a book for the whole world to read. One of my greatest insecurities is I like to be liked. If I enter a room and I feel an air that someone in that room doesn't like me, I can't get past that. And in an industry, you, you, you play a game on a platform 
in a manner that garners attention everywhere you go, and it's going to. You get to the NFL, you're a celebrity. And unfortunately for people like me who carry that insecurity in my job, there's people who don't like you. You know, I don't check my Twitter mentions a whole lot because I don't need to be told, hey, you're a piece of trash. I hope you burn and die in hell. I don't need that in my life. And I'm trying to do better even at 43 years old. So the steps that you've taken, you know, first of all, the internal reaction of regret. Second, taking the initiative to not just be Billy Badass and continue to live that brand that you built for yourself and have the guts. A real man, guts are, hey, I need to get to Kyle Trask. I just need him, whether he whether he accepts that or not, I need him to know how I feel. And then I can't imagine what it must have been like for you to receive forgiveness and know that, okay, he received it, he knows how I feel, and he has given me a response. How did that forgiveness feel? Uh, like a thousand pounds was lifted off my shoulders sure. and my heart, man, uh, and off my chest. Uh, because I'm going to lie, man, it, it affected how I played um, afterwards. And that's I think that was one of the things of why I didn't reach my standard of uh, of what I set out for myself, along with other things you know, in my life that I had to deal with this year. It's probably one of the roughest semesters that I've had to deal with off the field uh, with family stuff and, uh, and everything like that. So it is. It just felt like this season, it just felt like one bad thing just kept piling on after another. I can never catch a break. But when when he finally te- when he texted me back and said, you know, and I saw the words, you know, I get it, it's okay. And, um, you know, man, it just felt like somebody had taken 1,000 pounds off my shoulders and chest and I could just be, go back to um, just playing football, man, and having a, and having a, a, a free conscience, you know, and, and not having that weight on my mind every day. And we have uh, we have team chapel every 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 Friday night before before our game, and usually we have our FCA leader Aaron Hogue, who does an unbelievable job for us. Um, you know, lead us in uh, lead us in that. But on this night, we had uh, Corey Edmund, our head strength conditioning coach, uh, lead us in, in chapel, and he was talking about you know your your past life and you know your past and, and letting it go. And and how it holds you back from growing, and how it grow, how it holds you back from becoming a better person. And um, man, I don't ain't gonna lie. I'm, and Coach Ed saw it on my face, and we talked, and he came over and he talked to me after this, and he saw it on my face. I mean, he could tell, you know, that I was that something was weighing on me. And I was just like, Coach, I mean, how do you how do you get past your past if you're constantly reminded of it every single day? And like you said, I, I didn't after after the game really, and I started getting all that heat. I deleted Twitter from my from my phone, like I deleted the app from my phone just because I couldn't stand the negativity that you know that was coming in at me uh, constantly. And um, you know, and it, and he guided me through that. And you know, I've, I've this is just to receive that, and then hear Kyle's you know response to me. Um, you know, it almost it almost felt like I could put that to rest in my mind you know, and help me, you know, just move forward. I know people aren't going to forget it and, you know, and that's, that's, it is what it is. But, you know, for me, it, it was just a relief to, you know, to hear Kyle, you know, accept my apology and, and for having to have so many people, you know, to help me through those, uh, through the semester, man. And, 
there's a lot of people that I that I have to thank for that. But um, you know, ultimately, man, just just when he texted me back and accepted that apology, um, like I said, it, it felt like you know, two thousand pounds total from my weight was lifted off my shoulders and chest. So, very thankful, you know, that Kyle even reached back to me because he didn't have to. I mean, he could have just sat there, looked at that text, and you know, and said, "Screw this guy," you know, and block my number or whatever. But you know, um, I mean, you talk about me being a real man, you know, to reach out to Kyle Trask. You know, it, it takes a real man, you know, to accept that, you know, on Kyle's part. So, you know, I have nothing but respect in the world, you know, for Kyle Trask. He did an unbelievable job coming in, filling in for Felipe uh, after he unfortunately went down against us. And he did an unbelievable job, you know, for Coach Mullen in that program, you know, of how he of how he played this season. So, um, you know, nothing but respect to Kyle, and, and I wish nothing but the best for him and his family moving forward. It's amazing, man. It's amazing how the human element works because, again, we're all flawed. There's a lot of things I want back. And it is always such a, a unique emotion when something that you know you would would just love to rewrite is forgiven. Uh, it really does feel you can almost feel it leaving you. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, I read where you had also gone through some some emotional depression this season. What was the crux of that? Uh, and and I, 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 I should have done a better job of explaining it, but uh, the depression didn't just start this year. I, this is something I've dealt with for a long time. Um, and that my persona of what you call the Billy Badass is what is what helped keep me going as, as a from a player standpoint. That persona that I that I, that I kicked on once I crossed those white lines, um, you know that's that was my persona on the field. You know that's what I wanted the fans to feel the energy to you know just to live vicariously through me almost. You know with the way I play football, um, but. You know, at the same time, you know, that's that's not who I am as a person. You know, football is what I do. You know, it's not who I am and what I do and how I act. And that is not how I condone myself off the field. Um, and there was a lot – and there's just a lot of things, man, that's, that's went into that. I mean, I I grew up different than a lot of kids, and a lot of kids grew up different than me. And I'm not going to get into, you know, soft stories of who had it harder, this, this, or that, because I know that, you know, there's a hell of a lot, hell of a lot more kids out there that had it harder than I did. But, um, you know, I, I grew up different kids. I had to grow up. I was forced to grow up um, really early for my age and and learn how to be self-sufficient of myself and uh, and, how, and help almost take care of my sister at some times. But, um, and I grew up an angry kid, man. There's a lot of things that, that just didn't go my way growing up as a kid. And uh, there's a lot of things that, that happened that kids shouldn't go through or see, but um, and I was just, I, I'm a guy that, that at, at the time, you know, I never had any, anybody to talk to, you know, or express my, um, how I was feeling, uh, through those days growing up and into my college career and high school career. And that's where I fell in love with the weight room was me being, and, and, and my depression, you know, is, is different, uh, with how I was talking to my doctor, just because in my household, man, we weren't allowed to get sad ever. I'm not allowed to be sad and crying around, so it would just turn into, you know, just uh, just almost anger, you know, that I would have, and I would just go let it out in the weight room. And, and football 
and everything like that. And then once I got into college, you know, with the harder the hits came and, you know, the concussions came and everything like that. And just a bunch of, and especially this year where just one thing happened after another and depression is, is something that I've been fighting for a long time. I've been uh, luckily enough that we have such a great, you know, staff here at the University of Kentucky that, uh, you know, has a sports psychologist and a psychiatrist, you know, that I would, you know, I would go and see and talk to. You know, at the end of the day, it's just about having somebody to talk to and having somebody, you know, to sit there and, and listen to you and how you're feeling. But, um, yeah, this season was a uh, was a big turning point with 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 my depression and, and how I handled it. But the uh, the Florida thing happened, uh, so that kind of got me down the dumps. You know, just as a about myself as a person because that's not who I was taught to be. That's not who my dad raised me to be. That's not who my granddad taught me to be. Um, so it, it was just felt like I was just, uh, you know, very embarrassed of myself and, and I embarrassed my family. And, uh, you know, my family is, is something that I always love more than anything in this world. And, and for me to embarrass them in that name, uh, on the back of my Jersey and embarrass the name on the front of my Jersey, you know, that represents the whole state of where I'm from, you know, I just felt embarrassed that I let a lot of people down. And so that weighed on me and, you know, and that, that kicked in, you know, the bad, you know, the bad thoughts and stuff like that in the back of your mind and um you know man and then uh i got my truck stolen man i got sixteen hundred dollars worth of fish and stuff i got all my fish and stuff stolen man what they broke into my yeah that was in my apartment complex and i just got done fishing and 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 my dad always told me growing up you know when you get stuff with your own money and you work for it uh, it means a lot more to you and, and and that's the absolute truth because i went fishing out of that evening and i had four or five rods uh, with me and uh, I was going to go fishing early the next morning I live at the top floor of an apartment building with no elevator so with those 7 foot 2 to 7 foot 6 rods it's pretty hard to get up and maneuver down there so I was going to go really early the next morning so I just left in there in my truck thinking nothing was going to happen and I come out you know, the next morning at 6 a.m. before I have to go to class or something and you know there's glass shattered everywhere and you know there's all my rods and all my baits are stolen and ended up almost being $1,800 worth of you know, stuff stolen, and then I had to call the police to get them over there and end up having to miss class and tutors and everything. It just felt like I couldn't get anything, you know, done there. And then this, uh, the, the thing that sent me over the edge with it really was the death of my grandfather. Um, that guy was, he was a second dad to me and, uh, and all my cousins, man. He was, he was the, the rock of our family. He was the glue of our family, you know, that kept everything that kept everything together, kept everybody together, and kept everything in check. And uh, he taught me so many lessons or lessons in life, man. That you know that I'll never be able to thank him for. And uh, you know, just to lose somebody that I was that close with, um, I never really lost somebody that I was really that close with. And just the importance that he had on my life and and so many others in, in our community uh, back in Paintsville. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a lot of things that I wish could have been different. You know, I wish he could have been there for my, my senior day, see me walk across stage on graduation, uh, win the belt bowl. And, um, you know, and I'm still recovering from that. And my whole family is because of how big of a role he played in all of our lives. And, um, you know, it, it just felt like I couldn't catch a break, Marty. And, um, so I mean, this it just it was just one bad thing after the next, and whenever you get thrown 
so much negativity and so much stuff uh, that you can get down on yourself for. No matter what your persona is on the field, I mean, it's it's hard to to get that to get that jolt and to put on a put on a smile for everybody. And to when you when when inside, you know, you're not smiling. This smiling is the the farthest from the last thing you're going to be doing or want to be doing. Um, but w- what helped me really was just the constant support, man, that I had from my coaches and my teammates and my family and all my friends, you know, that they're back home in Paintsville, man. They, they felt, you know, the, the pain that I was going through, they could hear it in my voice. They could see it and, you know, and in, in my actions and stuff like that, because I'm always this, this guy that always has a smile on his face when I enter into the room, just because like you said, you know, I mean, it's an element where we want people, you know, to like us and I want people to like me because, you know, I, I've grown up to be, you know, a likable person. That's one thing, you know, my granddad always taught me was, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. And, uh, and more than more time, more than time, likely not, you know, people want to respect you and like you for that as a person. But, um, just the constant support that I have, you know, for my training staff, my head trainer, uh, Gabe, you know, I would sit in his office and I would just talk you know, for for 30 minutes to 45 minutes, however long I had. And it got to a low point to want to at, at such uh, – it got to such a low point this year to where I was thinking in my mind, I was just like, there, after this year, man, football's over with. Like, I don't – like, what, what, why am I even doing this no more? Because I saw my progression start going downhill um, and everything just started going downhill for me, but – you know, just the everlasting support that I have from my coaches and teammates that were always there for me uh, is what got me through those days and what, you know, helped me find my happiness again. And and the apology, you know, too, helped that just because that really weighed on my shoulders a lot. And, um, you know, I talk to my Nana a lot now, you know, after she lost granddad and just always checking in on her. And she's always constantly reminding me, of, you know, how much I'm loved. Uh, you know, and how much, you know, I mean to her and our, and our family. And, and at the end of the day, you know, that's really the only, that's really the only, uh, you know, thumbs up, you know, I need or approval from is my family because they've been through it all with me. And, uh, and they've made so many sacrifices for me to be in the position that I am today to where no matter what's going on in my life, if I have the approval of my family and, and I know that they've always got my back. And when I mean family, I mean my my blood family, like my, my grandmother, my father, my cousins and everything like that, but also me and my family as in my teammates and my coaches because I look at them like they are my family, you know, and my brothers are my family. My man J-Dub just walked in here and man has got the uh, scoop and score in the bowl game. That's my brother. You know, and he'll always be my brother. Just like everybody in this locker room will always be my brother. And they would always come up constantly checking on me and making sure I'm good, this, this, and that. And, and I can't – start to say how thankful you know i am for that and how thankful i am for the brotherhood and the bond that this game builds with your teammates and your coaches and your administrators your tutors everybody that's involved they genuinely do care and uh man i'm just so thankful you know that that i found a way to to find my happiness again to find my mojo and to find that thing that wakes me up every morning to get up and, and, and get after it and want to get better each and every day, not only in an athletic standpoint or what I'm doing on the football field, but to grow as a man and to grow as a human being, um, you know, and just and try to be better than what I was, you know, the day before. 
I will tell you. You 22 years old? How old are you? Yes, 22. 22. You have a remarkable self-awareness for someone your age. And, you know, what, what a lot of people don't understand, and having had the blessing of being around so many young men your age in the last five or ten years covering college football, I say all the time that the most underreported part of the game is the quality of the young men playing it. And what outsiders can't understand is the immense, immense pressure that all of you are under. Not only do you have to excel academically, not only are you expected to excel athletically, you also are celebrities. And there's a lot that comes with that that those who don't live it can't fathom. And part of that is everything that you just mentioned that was your senior year at the University of Kentucky, all of that is very real human emotion that a lot of people manage, but they sure as hell don't have to manage it on the platform that you do, that you had to. And it it makes me so happy to hear that despite all of those obstacles, despite all of that heartache, despite all of those damn hard lessons to learn, you're in this place right now where joy reigns. And that is, uh, that means it wasn't for naught. Uh, you're going to be a wonderful example for so many because of that self-awareness. And, uh, I'm going to make sure you get your rods back. I appreciate it, man. That's a lot. That's a lot of, that's a lot of money, dude. And above that, I mean, it's a lot of memories and a lot of joy, uh, that they took, but, um, I'll ask you one more thing, and I'll get you out of here. Uh, just know there's a lot of people, myself included, who are really proud of you. And I appreciate that, Mark. Your future is so bright, and the and the light that you are will impact so many. So the last thing that I want to discuss is when, when football is over and the fact that you are so dogged that you're going to be a professional fisherman. Yeah. What, like – that's the dream, correct? That is, that's the dream. I mean, there, I mean, there's a lot of dreams, you know, that I have, and there's a lot of goals and things that I want to do in life. And football has is, is always been, you know, the one, you know, that, that uh, one of my biggest dreams and my ultimate dream. But another ultimate dream, you know, that I have, that, that I mean, uh, when we get off phone here, I can definitely send you pictures of it just to show you. But just of how, how bad, you know, I, I, I want to be a professional fisherman one day and, and how much I love it. It's just because I'm myself out there. And, um, you know, after football, you know, with my YouTube channel, and, I, and I've, uh, I've expressed this to you and Alyssa and uh, Tim and everybody there at SC Network, is that I want to get involved with college athletes uh, and merge the sports world and the outdoor world together, Where it, whether it be if I'm working for you guys there at SEC Network or if i got to do it on my own YouTube channel or whatever, just because people see – the the athlete and like you said this the the uh, the celebrity status almost and when we go out at places you know we're expected to you know to act a certain way and to uh, always be a good representation of our university our families and ourselves and uh, not saying that you know not everybody is but you know you're your real self out there no matter how big of a star you may be I mean 
you can have one of the biggest egos, you know, in, in athletics. But I promise you that if I take you out on a, on a body of water, or I put a, in a tree stand or a ground bomb with you where there's no crowd, there's no lights, there's no Twitter, there's no, you know, live stream, this, this, or that. It's just you, the rod, and nature, and the water, or hunting and fishing, and you're, it's just you out there. And you hear the birds chirp, and you hear, you feel the wind, you know, come across the hairs of your arms and legs. And you just, and, and for me, that's my place at peace, man. I mean, and I find my peace there. And I, and I want to be able to offer that up to so many athletes to say, and, and for people that, and especially for people that in, in, in athletics that aren't in, uh, in the outdoors and, and want to get in the outdoors. But there's a lot of people, uh, you know, not just in, in the major college sports with basketball, baseball, and football, but one of my best friends up here, his name's Ian Foos. He's on the Kentucky rifle team. I mean, I, you know, I call him Pistol Pete, you know, because how good of a shot he is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and me and him just formed a friendship just because of how much we love the outdoors. And, uh, you know, we were turkey hunting together. You know, we're deer hunting together. I got my first deer on camera with him this, this fall. Awesome. Uh, you know. And, you know, there's a there's a lot of things, you know, that, that just because we have the love for the outdoors, you know, we, we formed a, a brotherhood over that rather than me just, you know, forming a brotherhood, you know, that I have with my teammates here at the football field. But, you know, I'm branching out to other sports, you know, and other people and making more relationships there. And I want to be able to offer that up, you know, to everybody, uh, you know, in college athletics and to be able to take them out, uh, you know, and either introduce them to the outdoors, you know, or just take them out there and, and provide them something, you know, that they've always loved and, and loved doing. Um, but that's something, that's one thing I'd definitely like to get going. And, but just from the professional fishing side of it, man, I mean, there's, there's nothing like it, you know, with the excitement that I get from it, from watching those tournaments. I've, I've been fortunate enough to go to the Bassmasters Classic back in 2004. My dad took me when uh, Takahiro Mori won it in the, in the last five minutes there on Lake Wiley. I'll never forget that. Then he took me to the Bluegrass Brawl in 2006 up at, down at Kentucky Lake. I stayed in, a, in, in, in the same motel as Gerald Swindle and Marty Stone. and I had dinner with Joe Thomas and his family down there. And Marty Stone gave me a bunch of bass cat hats and rods and reels and and that's how I met G. I mean, it's just there's just so many good people involved in it, man. And and uh, it's at the same time, you know, you're out there at peace, but at the same time, you're still competing. And I'm always going to be a com- competing at anything that I do, just because that's my nature, and that's how I attack everything that I do. You know, if if you were right here right now, and, and you could tell me that you know you could throw this ball, you know, 40 yards, I'm, I'll be damned. You know, if I'm not going to throw it 41, you know, or, or whatever it is. But it's it's the best of both worlds for me because I'm out there at peace, but at the same time I'm competing. And, um, you know, it's just uh, such a, a great industry, you know, of how fishing has grown, um, especially for, uh, competitive fishing has grown, uh, not just for the uh, elite anglers on the professional level, just, just for anybody in general from the college level to high school to uh, you know, just amateur, you know, on the weekends fishing tournaments. There's so many opportunities, and, and they want people to get into fishing. And and I want to be able to be one of those people that, that get a lot of people into the outdoors, not just fishing, you know, but hunting as well, even though fishing, you know, is my bread and butter, and that's what I know the best. Um, and at the end of the day, like I said, it's just to be able to provide, you know, another outlet, you know, for somebody that uh, that they never thought that could work for them. And, uh, and I've 
taken so many people out fishing uh, just with me uh, that that never really done it before, and now you know they're they're texting me uh, pictures of rods and reels and what combos to get and you know what baits to throw here and this this and that and and that brings me joy almost more than somebody texting me about a play you know and and saying what do I do in this coverage you know that's just because that's life you know it's not just a game you know this is life and this is you know what we do and sometimes how we deal with stuff so uh, that's something that I definitely want to get involved with so. Uh, you know, after football's over with, you know, getting you uh, just get involved with any any way I can with the outdoor industry and try to merge that those two worlds together. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I will leave you with this: your vulnerability within this conversation is going to impact a lot of lives that you'll never meet. You'll never meet the people who hear the honesty, who hear the vulnerability about your path. And it will resonate within their lives and maybe even foster change within their lives. But it's going to let a lot of people know that they ain't alone. And yep. you don't you, you don't know that. Like, that's not something that you know. But I do. And I will promise you that it matters. And I'm proud of you. I'm honored to call you a friend. And uh, I can't wait to get out there on the water with you here real soon, brother. Good luck as you head towards Pro Day. We're all cheering like hell for you and i'm so glad that you found joy i appreciate it but if you don't mind me saying this one thing you know for people out there listening you're not alone man and uh it took me a long time to realize that there were so many outlets that were right in front of my face that my mind wouldn't let me wouldn't allow myself to open up because uh i've always just been you know like the persona of a Billy badass, you know, don't show emotion, uh, you know, this, this or that, but it's, Oh, and I, and I can't reiterate this enough, man. It is okay to not be okay. It's okay, man. I mean, this world of this life is the toughest thing we'll ever do. And nobody's alone, man. I mean, and I don't care if, if you're somebody out there listening you know, and if, if you're going through something, you could always holler at me on social media, man, or anything like that. I'm always here to help people. And that's one thing I want to use this platform is, you know, not just to only, you know, create great things for myself, but I want to help others, man. And if you're going through stuff, just know that, you know, shadows always give way to light. You know, to quote one of my favorite songs from Jesse Leach at, five, at uh, you know, Kill Switch Engage. Um, shadows always give way to light, man. Just And I know that sometimes, you know, it seems like it's never going to end. But just surround yourself with good people and allow yourself to open up and talk to people, man, because you'd be surprised, you know, if you just say, hey, man, can I talk to you for a second of, of how of how much that'll help you. And, you know, just just know that you're not alone, man, and, and, and always keep fighting. Just always keep fighting no matter what. You're never out of the fight. Love it. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Thank be you, well. brother, so much for everything. Thank you so much. As I said a bit ago, Travis, I'm going to take this interview with me. Um, his willingness to be so honest about his depression and about how much a mistake impacted him and how long he carried the weight of that mistake and just how heavy it was. We are all flawed. Just like I said to him, anybody who continues to berate someone 
or judge someone based on something like that, especially given the context of Cash's specific situation with Kyle Trask. It was a poor, impulsive decision, but he's owned that. It's time to move on. It was a moment. It's not a definition of who he is. God knows I've made more of those than I could ever begin to admit. I've had impulsivity my entire life. And it's something that I've tried to learn to manage as I've aged. And I've done a good job, but I'm 43. That young man's 22. With age, I have learned to make my way through the range of emotion and process that emotion better than I did when I was 22. When I was 22, my impulsivity was not yet corralled, and I would just fly off the handle and do something just like Cash did. I've always said if there was social media when I was younger, God knows some of the trouble I'd be in, or if you're on national television as much as he is, the things that you have to deal with that regular people just don't have to deal with, and one dirty play doesn't make you a dirty player. Right. Well, you think about think about what social media offers not only does like if this happened if what cash did was brian bosworth random example uh not suggesting anything just if it was brian bosworth against texas in 1988 it would be on highlight reels for the person that bos was and whatever but because of social media not i mean cash is Cash's moment was impulsive, but so were the millions or whatever the number is of responses to him. And he's owned it. He he contacted Kyle. Kyle was gracious enough to accept it, receive it, and offer forgiveness. And And you know what Cash said? What an unbelievably mature thing to say. And I, I do believe that Seeking that forgiveness and opening yourself up to the fact that you were wrong is what a grown-ass man does, but he's right. Accepting that and offering forgiveness is what a grown-ass man does. What an unbelievable interview. I, I admire him. I already admired him. I admired him, as I stated, for the ferocity with which he plays the game and the personality that he carries. And he also loves the outdoors like I do. And he also loves country music like I do. And he also grew up in Appalachia like I did. And he also comes from a place that he carries with him every day where most folks don't get out, just like I do. I've always felt a very unique bond with him from the second I met him. And I, uh, I will forever admire him for what he said to me today. One thing I like about him is him putting Kentucky on his back and staying in state and making that school, you know, respectable on the football field and making that people proud, like what he did for the people of Kentucky. It's hard to say how, how proud those fans were these past couple of years because of him and his teammates. They're going to be, well, they're, they're going to be prouder of him now because I will tell you whether he makes it in the NFL for 10 years or he doesn't. That won't define him now. And there's so much beauty in that to me. Uh, I just, I think it's awesome. He has such a bright future. Whether he wants to be a pro fisherman, you know what I think the guy could do? I think he could end up in the WWE. I think, I mean, I, 
he has the perfect persona to go go become a star in the WWE. Well, he's in a group text with uh, Stone Cold, right? So he's already right. got the uh, the in. He just to to me, I think he's a really special kid. He can, whatever he wants to do, he'll do. Yeah, he's he's got that dogged determination that a lot of small town kids better have if they want to become that. And I'll carry it with me, Bubba. Uh, great job by Travis. Travis is a person that, that tracked cash down in the middle of a really, really saturated schedule as he prepares for the NFL draft and, well, and pro day at Kentucky. That's the other thing. He mentioned it. Um, I think he mentioned at the beginning. He left the training facility to go to outside where the reception's better to take time out of his morning of working and preparing for his future to give us 40 minutes of his time. That in itself says a lot about the person. Now he could have been like, hey, man, I'm at the facility. I got to get this done. I got to go work out. How about later? No, he's like, I'll do it. Not only that, I mean, I loved his message. There are so many great lessons within that that conversation, whether it's the impact of carrying that weight with you, uh, certainly the impact of removing that weight through contrition and an apology and the impact that coaches and friends and teammates in the game, the impact of the game. I just love all of it. I, I'm, I don't go back and listen to Marty Smith's America. I don't do it, but I'll listen to that one because I want to hear those lessons again. I want to reconsume them in a way where I don't have to be considering what the next question might be um i'm a fan so thank you for for getting him travis thank you so much everyone listening um big blue nation i hope that you listen to this i don't think a lot of you guys were especially impressed with my college basketball debut last week but i couldn't have enjoyed it more and i got a lot more kentucky games this year so I'll see y'all at Rupp, but thank you so much to our law enforcement officials, our policemen, firemen, first responders, those who keep our community safe and who sacrifice and put themselves in harm's way all the time so that we can live in safe communities. I'm so grateful for our mentors at ESPN. I'm grateful that I have my platform in college football and that we had another amazing season. Nobody loves their job more than I do. And to have been walking with the LSU Tigers for the vast majority of this season, to have gotten to know personally on a very personal level Coach Orgeron and his support staff and guys like Joe Brady and all of those players, Grant Delpit, I, I know Grant Delpit's parents. I know Grant Delpit's grandmother, Joe Burrow. I know I know Jimmy and Robin Burrow. I I I know them as human beings, and Jacoby Stevens, and Sadiq Charles, and Lloyd Cushenberry, and Damian Lewis, and Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson. All of these guys, Richard Lawrence. I could just go on and on about the time that I've gotten the blessing of spending with all of those guys at LSU. 
So to see them be successful like this, uh, I'm very happy for them. And I'm likewise disappointed for Trevor Lawrence and Dabo Sweeney and T. Higgins, Justin Ross, and Travis Etienne, and all of those guys at Clemson, Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott and Brent Venables that I've gotten to know so well covering college football. Congratulations to LSU and know this, Clemson ain't going nowhere. Dabo's right. They are built to last. It was an amazing college football season. And it's funny, it it felt like the snap of a finger during the regular season, and then it felt like the playoff bowl season took forever, and now that I'm sitting here just a few days removed from the season ending, I feel like it's been over forever. Um, it's a very odd emotion when you cover it the way we do. What a blessing. Um, I appreciate all my colleagues that are so talented. Certainly Tom Rinaldi and, and Gene Wojciechowski and Maria Taylor and all of those folks. Certainly everybody involved in the SEC network that I spent so much time with this year. Marcus Spears and Tim Tebow and Laura Rutledge and Paul Feinbaum and all of them are so wildly talented and so well-respected. I feel so honored to be a part of their little family. Lastly, as I always do, I want to thank our military. It's a crazy time in the world right now. And I'm so grateful for everybody who's out there every day sacrificing for us and putting themselves in harm's way for us so that we can live in a free nation, the best nation. I'm so proud to be an American. Y'all have a great day. Thank you so much for your time and, and your attention and your devotion to Marty Smith's America. Please subscribe, rate, and review. It matters to us and to our sponsors like ZipRecruiter that keep this thing free. Y'all have a great week. We'll try to do better next time. See ya.